This is Trump Watch. I'm John Wiener, live in L.A. on 90.7 KPFK, talking about what Trump is actually doing, not just what he's tweeting. Later this hour, Guerrilla Theater at its finest, currently running at secret locations throughout the city. We've got tickets, and we've got the great Hieronymus Bang stopping by to explain everything. First up, Harold Meyerson on politics. Trump Watch starts right now. Well, early voting is underway in many states right now. Election Day is 12 days away. For comment and analysis, we turn to Harold Meyerson. Of course, he's executive editor of the American Prospect and a writer for the L.A. Times op-ed page. We reached him today, as usual, in our nation's capital. Harold, welcome back. Always good to be here, John. Well, I'm afraid we have to start with the pipe bombs sent to 10 people, including Hillary, Obama, Maxine Waters, George Soros, and now Joe Biden and Robert De Niro. Tell us what your uh, thoughts are at this hour about the pipe bombs. Well, I mean, it, it's uh, pretty much uh, the uh, logical consequence of the demonization of leaders of liberal or even just non-Trump America by uh, uh, Trump himself and uh, uh, the Republican Party, which is pretty much indistinguishable from right-wing conspiracy theorists. Uh, uh, So um, it's, uh, you know, it's sickening, but at at a certain level, I don't think it's all that surprising. It's... uh, if you demonize people long enough, uh, some people listening to you will uh, take it a couple steps further. Now it's time for a news quiz. Who was it who said, quote, in these times we have to unify? We have to come together and send one very clear, strong, unmistakable message <laughs> that active threats of political violence of any kind have no place in the United States, close quote. Harold Meyerson, for our prize today, who said those in, words? Improbably in, in enough, that was Donald Trump. Um, and uh, You are laughing. Yes, I'm laughing because he has explicitly made the, uh, the, the very threats uh, of, of, of violence uh, that he uh, uh, has, now, has now decried. You know, I have to say, I mean, this is nothing... Nothing all that new, and you know, I mean, people, you know, uh, if you if if you're with the media covering a Trump rally, uh, it's clear that there are uh, some number of people in the crowd who just want to, uh, uh, you know, clobber you if not if if not with a pipe bomb, then with a lead pipe, uh, uh, just for being in the press box. And you know, I mean, in in a certain sense, this has always been there. I covered. Uh, that you know, when I was at the LA Weekly in the 1990s, I spent a little time schlepping around the country covering Pat Buchanan, who was running uh, for president in Republican primaries, and uh, the Buchanan followers, uh, you know, uh, made very clear when the Buchanan's traveling press corps came in that uh, they wanted to, uh, you know, uh, just uh, destroy us and. You get the same thing covering Trump today. So it's been there, but this has moved uh, both on this issue and in a larger sense on almost every issue from the fringe of uh, American politics, uh, the intersection of fringe and uh, mainstream that Pat Buchanan personified to uh, the president of the United States. 
And let's just remember it was only last week that Trump said at a political rally in Montana, quote, any guy that can do a body slam, he's my candidate, close quote. What was that about? Uh, that was about the re- Republican uh, member of Congress from Montana, Montana being a very small state, it only has one, uh, uh, Gianforte, I think is his yeah, name. Yeah, Greg uh, Gianforte. Greg Gianforte, who had uh, responded to a question about his position on health care, I think, from, uh, from a reporter, by uh, body slamming him, which had the effect of breaking that reporter's glasses. Uh, so Trump was literally praising... Uh, you know, a Republican congressman, talk about the intersection of the fringe with the mainstream, uh, a Republican congressman for, uh, you know, body slamming a reporter. Uh, at the same time, now he is compelled, lamentably by events, uh, uh, to uh, issue a pro forma uh, condemnation, which uh, not, uh, not only, you know, ex- extends to himself, but to... Uh, the whole of the Republican Party, which has been going after, quote, fake news in the mainstream media. And uh, uh, George Soros, who uh, uh, was attacked in a tweet by uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, the House Majority Leader, uh, only two days ago. Uh, so, I mean, this, this, this kind of nonsense and pernicious nonsense and dangerous nonsense is, is uh, really, in many ways, this, the sum and substance of uh, today's mainstream republicanism. I I looked up what happened to the reporter who was uh, knocked to the ground by Greg Gianforte at that political event. Uh, His name was Ben Jacobs. He was a reporter for The Guardian. He was taken by ambulance to a hospital treated for an elbow injury. Gianforte then pleaded guilty to a charge of assault. He was sentenced to four days in jail. Sentence was later changed to 40 hours of community service and a compulsory anger management course. End of story until last week when Trump said he's my kind of guy. Uh, let's switch now to the to the big issues, face the real issues facing Americans in this fall's campaign. Uh, Health care is probably the number one if you ask people everywhere what what's their biggest problem that they need help with and I don't know probably jobs in the economy is number two Trump has been out on the campaign trail campaigning for Republican tickets what does he had to say about uh, health care and jobs uh, well he takes credit for uh, the low unemployment rate and any president would do that uh, it's been falling uh, steadily uh, since about uh, year two of the Obama presidency and continues to do so. Uh, on health care, he hasn't said very much up until today when uh, the Republicans kept telling him, hey, we're getting clobbered on this issue. So after, you know, years of going back again to year two of Obama, after years of the party saying their main thing was to uh, repeal Obamacare, uh, and that's an issue which the Democrats have now turned on them and are are running against them uh, on this issue with, with considerable effect. Uh, Trump today said, well, you know, maybe uh, uh, Medicare should be able to negotiate with drug companies to bring down prices, which is something that Democrats have been advocating for, you know, several decades now. Uh, <laughs> but I had the impression, I had the impression 
that Trump was really not talking much about health care or jobs, that mostly he's been talking about the caravan of migrants from Central America who are paid by George Soros because he wants them to come and vote in the midterms. Right. No, well, they have been using that as their major distraction issue, as their fear and loathing issue of of uh, the past couple of weeks. Uh, Trump even said there's a Middle Eastern terrorists among them. And, and not only could he, you know, was, is there no evidence of that, but even, even as a hypothetical, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you're uh, trying to sneak into the country, being part of, the, of, a, of a caravan being watched 24-7 by the media, which will clearly be met on the border uh, by uh, armed forces now, it turns out, yeah. uh, it, it's not how you sneak into the country. So, I mean, not only is it... Uh, is there no substantiation for that? But it's also as a hypothetical, purely purely as a hypothetical, it's ludicrous. Uh, but this is this is their big distraction. And hey, it worked in 2016. Uh, this and blaming Soros worked in Hungary, where his uh, fellow neo-fascist Viktor Orban governed. So let's try it here. If you've just tuned in, we're speaking with Harold Meyerson of the American Prospect about politics in America today. Uh, we've said many times here that the Democrats need 23 seats to take control of the House. There were 25 Republican-held districts that Clinton won two years ago. Democrats are now favored in 11 of them. Republicans are favored in only three. This is the Cook Political Report. It's not Nate Silver. The rest are are still toss-ups. You know, Harold, we've said here many times there's two ways for the Democrats to approach elections. One is to take the registered voters as the the given number of voters and campaign to win the undecideds, the moderates, the disaffected Republicans, the people in the middle. The other approach is to expand the number of voters by by recruiting from the Eligible Americans who do not vote, something like 50% of the population, these are, of course, poorer people, less knowledgeable people, but people who really do need help with health care, jobs, and education. And it is hard work to recruit them, to mobilize them, to inspire them. It means going door to door and talking to them face to face. TV ads won't do it. Uh, what do you see of the Democrats' efforts, uh, given the two choices they have of spending big money on TV ads to win over the the moderates and the disaffected Republicans, versus expanding the pool of voters uh, by recruiting the uh, unregistered and the the unenthusiastic? Well, and let's remember that the Republican uh, approach is to throw those voters off the rolls yes. if they are registered. Yes, so, yes. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not as if the Democrats are even uh, uh, doing this in, uh, with, with those as the two options. There's also the third option in places like Georgia about trying to get people who've been thrown off the rolls uh, the right to vote nonetheless. Uh, well, I mean, the Democrats historically have done uh, some of both, and that's true in this campaign as well, um, and it varies. Uh, it varies some from state to state. Uh, in in some states uh, that are more conservative, uh, like Indiana, the Democratic senator Joe Donnelly has been running to the right, and certainly not focusing on on boosting uh, registration among uh, the sometime voters, minorities, and the poor, et cetera. In other states. Like Georgia, uh, where the Republicans are trying to throw peace, people off the rolls, and in Florida, 
the gubernatorial candidates, uh, respectively Stacey Abrams and Andrew Gillum, have been uh, heading up efforts to add uh, chiefly minority and young voters to the rolls. So it it it, it varies. Um, uh, part of the part of the thing is if your uh, if 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 your program is to uh, endorse Medicare for all, which uh, at least forty percent of all Democrats running for the House have now done. Uh, and uh, free college and such, then it really makes sense to do the door-to-door and uh, enroll people who that would directly benefit. So in some places that's going on, in other places nowhere near enough. Uh, let's talk about the Southern California House races, which have gotten a lot of attention, energy, and money uh, 538.com, Nate Silver's uh, website, has Democrats ahead in every contested House race in Southern California, except for the horrible Duncan Hunter out east of San Diego. He's the Republican who was indicted for wild campaign finance violations, which he then blamed on his wife. He may go to jail for these. He's being challenged by a progressive named Amar Kampat Najjar. It seems like Duncan Hunter is going to be reelected, but everybody else is either uh, com- uh, uh, comfortably ahead or sort of ahead. Uh, the two people know that people know the best are uh, Katie Hill, the uh, who's challenging the only Republican left in Orange County, Steve Knight. Uh, according to 538.com, uh, in, in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles County. In Los Angeles yeah, County. That's Kate, up north in the Lancaster-Palmdale area. She yeah. she is currently rated by Nate Silver today with the ch- chance of winning a five and seven. And in Irvine, where the other Katie, as we call her, Katie Porter, who's a much more progressive candidate, her chances of unseating Mimi Walters in Irvine are given as five in eight by Nate Silver. Do you think Nate Silver is too optimistic about these? Uh, you know, I, uh, I, I'm not in the numerical prophecy game, so it's <laughs> hard to say. Uh, but this is certainly plausible. It's certainly plausible. And, and, and as to the Duncan Hunter district, remember, that was not a district that Hillary Clinton carried. It's right. a very heavily uh, Republican district, and the only reason he's in trouble at all is, as you said, because he's been indicted uh, for, some, for some pretty serious financial uh, chicanery. Uh, so that wasn't a district that the Democrats originally targeted, uh, and uh, it, it doesn't look like a district that would ever be inclined in its current composition to elect anyone with a, uh Arabic-Muslim-sounding uh, name, which the Democratic nominee has. So... Uh, yeah, that's a district that looks poised to elect uh, a guy who is jailbait. Uh, in, uh, you know, I mean, there's no question about that. And uh, uh, for the rest of Southern California, it looks pretty good. I mean, the San, the San Joaquin Valley is, is a little more iffy. I think uh, the, uh, the, the district represented by Jeff Denham uh, uh, could well be won uh, by the Democrat. The, the, the other districts uh, are, are, you know, are, are a slog. That, that would be difficult. You wrote recently uh, for the American Prospect Today uh, about politics in rural America. You know, we all live in cities. I, I don't know why, but the cities are all deep blue, multicultural, happy to welcome immigrants. That's not the case in rural America, which is really the white people of rural America are Trump's true base. Uh, 
I know you've been thinking about this lately. How how come there is such a stark urban-rural divide in American politics right now? Well, for one thing, uh, as you as you suggested, the rural population is wider uh, and more, uh, you know, with with a less uh, fewer immigrants by far, and much less diverse than uh, than American cities. Uh, immigrants, surprise, surprise, don't come here to go on welfare. They they come here uh, for the jobs, and that's where the jobs are. Uh, and and precisely because the jobs aren't uh, in in abundance in rural America. Uh, those economies are, are, are really falling behind. And you have a disproportionately older, wider population, which no matter where it is, is, is the conservative base of the Republican Party. If you look at you know, the demographics of, say, Fox News viewers, that's, that's who you get. Uh, but it, they're more concentrated in, uh, uh, in rural areas. And, you know, they are also, uh, you know, they don't have exactly... Uh, countervailing sources uh, to the Fox News stuff uh, that they uh, they get deluged with. So the, the, there's a kind of inherent suspicion uh, among many of this newfangled, uh, to use an ancient phrase, uh, uh, attitudes and values of uh, of the cities. Uh, they they see the national narrative changing to America as more a story of, uh, of, of newer immigrants who they don't know if they share their values. There's just a general uh, gap, and, and, it, and it's a global gap. If you look at who the supporters are for the nationalist parties in Europe, they tend to be disproportionately rural, uh, disproportionately older. This is, this is sort of a, increasingly a global phenomenon as cities become more diverse, um, and as uh, rural economies everywhere tend to uh, tend to decline, which also means the young people leave. Uh, create, you know, so it's a vicious circle. I notice you did not use Marx's favorite uh, term. We're not. Uh, are we not saying it on uh, on the radio today? No, we can say it. it. Marx Marx referred to the idiocy of rural life. He didn't re- refer to the idiocy of rural people. Because when he was writing, people were leaving rural life uh, and moving into the factories where they became the proletarians Marx hoped would make a revolution. What he meant was that you know they weren't together. They were they, they, there was no means for them to develop the kind of class consciousness uh, that he hoped the proletariat would develop. Now you know we have communications now, and and so there is a way for them to get together. And they watch Fox News and they see all kinds of crap. On social media, uh, and uh, so it's it's uh, it's not the idiocy of of rural life, but it, it it's some of some of the biases that many folks there have, not exclusively folks in rural America, obviously, uh, and and that get inflamed and stoked uh, by uh, by right wing media. And I should add that when Trump was running for president in 2016, uh, in his closing month, rather brilliantly, his schedulers. Uh, often scheduled him in not in the big cities, but in you know towns well outside big cities, and a lot of the mainstream press and even the left press said, "What the hell is he doing going there?" But they knew they knew what they knew what he was doing. That was where he was turning out his vote. Harold Meyerson, uh, you can read his wonderful new piece in the new issue of the American Prospect on the return of American socialism. That's at prospect.org. Uh, Next time, Harold, we're going to talk about the return of American socialism. Thanks so much for talking with us today. It's always a pleasure, John.
I'm John Wiener, live in L.A. on 90.7 KPFK with Trump Watch and the Trump Watch podcast. Next up, Guerrilla Theater at its finest, and we've got tickets. That's in a minute on KPFK when Trump Watch continues. It's the same old story. This is Trump Watch. I'm John Wiener, live in L.A. on KPFK, streaming at kpfk.org and online anytime you want it at the Trump Watch podcast. Now it's time to talk about guerrilla theater at its finest. We've got tickets. If you call 818-985-5735, you can get two tickets to the finest in guerrilla theater to explain what the Guerrilla Theater is about. It's a pleasure and an honor to introduce to the KPFK listening audience the man responsible for the Guerrilla Theater event, whose title is too hot for us to name, the great Hieronymus Bang. Hello. Thank you, John. Um, sorry, I'm a little uh, late. I live two blocks from here, but I had to um, take a lot of wrong turns to um, evade uh, possible um, shadows. So what is the name of the Guerrilla Theater event? Uh, I, I'm, I, I can't. T- we totally talked about this, John. I cannot give you the title of the performance of the play. Um, I can describe it to you, um, but I, I, I can't give you the title other uh, because KPFK could lose its license and uh, we have been suffering harassment from um, various federal agencies and they frown upon what we're doing. Well, this is it's playing uh, for the next three weekends. Uh, I, I read four, a, four, four weekends. weekends. Yes. I read a review. The reviewer described it <clears throat> without giving away the name as quote a bouillabaisse of guerrilla theater, commedia dell'arte, vaudeville, immersive escape room approaches, and stand up with a bit of Brecht in the sauce, and it's funny. Close quote. Uh, let's start with the bouillabaisse. Yeah, no, it's uh, soup is great. Uh, we're, we're, we believe that um, everyone should have enough food to eat. Um, and so if we can somehow provide nourishment, then we're happy to do it. So tell us, how does this event work? If people call and get their uh, tickets, uh, what happens then? Right. So we have sort of a complicated security situation for this piece. Um, we, as you know, performed it for four years during uh, the George W. Bush regime, and um, we had to scale back our publicity machine in order to evade the kind of attention that we don't need. Um, so we're, we're as underground as we can be. Uh, to attend the play, you need to call our hotline, um, which is 209-375-0411, and you'll receive instructions about uh, where what street corner you need to meet us at at a certain time. And then we will screen you and then bring you into the performance if uh, we're satisfied that you're not there to um, get us in trouble. So this is a, uh, is it fair to call this a pop-up performance? It moves every night to a different location and the location is revealed only on the hotline. So we cannot tell our listeners what the venue is because the venue changes every every weekend. Yes, um, that's also a, a, an adaptation by our guerrilla theater troupe to um, the geography and needs of the audience in Los Angeles. So we are not uh, tethered to real estate. We go to your neighborhood. Um, we, we bring our work to you because we want 
uh, our theater to be accessible to everyone. Our tickets are available on a sliding scale. Uh, we believe in maximum inclusivity. Uh, we can tell you different neighborhoods. Um, this weekend, we will be Please. in the West Adams neighborhood. Um, we will later be in the USC Medical Center for those of you who have experienced medical trauma will know that neighborhood. And uh, and then finally, we'll be on the West Side for our final two weekends. We perform through November 18th. We're joined in studios now by uh, Alan Minsky, our uh, senior producer here at KPFK. Alan, I believe you've seen this play. What's the name of it again? This is the best play that I have seen this millennium. Um, it uh, inspired me to such a degree that... Um, I boldly um, approached uh, the creator of the show. Um, uh, well, actually, a friend of mine named Sam Precario did. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, um, to uh, work together on a future project that was exceptional, but fell short of the uh, utter tremendousness of this particular project. This was when I saw this, and, and yeah, I can't tell you how Sam was excited to get to work with. Are you Hieronymus. panning Sam and Hieronymus's collaboration? Are no, you, you... I think that was a five star, but okay. I, I would put it sort of, to me, it's like um, the way that I would see it, and of course some people say it differently, it's like, you know, Highway 61 Revisited or Blonde on Blonde. Which one do you like more, you know? Yes. But this show, I, I was an audience member for. I was did not know uh, anybody who knew Hieronymus Bang or any of the other folks who were putting it on. And I just walked into it. A guy named Tom Hayden recommended it to me. Wow. I ran into him. And that's not a pseudonym, the actual Tom <laughs> Hayden. I ran into him in Central Park, New York. And he recommended, he didn't recommend, he said, Alan, he almost like took me by the lapels. He pressed me up against the wall and said, for your own sake and your own soul, you must see this show. It wasn't quite like that. But it was uh, effectively like that. I mean, he wouldn't let Sheila and I get away from him without impressing upon us that we had to see this play because it was so great. And I have to say, Tom undersold it. It, it was well, that good. No, I, I, I want to keep going here. People got to <laughs> see this thing. This thing is tremendous. This but how? Captures, how? This how? captures... John, this, stop interrupting. This <laughs> captures the spirit of people who want to participate <clears throat> in, uh, in just... You know, really, how do you want to take it from civic engagement to activism? You know, what does it mean to be somebody who is addressing the issues of our time in our time? And it is joyously hilarious. It has twists and turns like you will not believe. And in every one of these things, the the, the dialogue just sparkles. It is so spot on. Uh, yes, you're going to need to leave some <clears throat> contact information, and then we will contact you with the instructions. Um, um, they're also available on our uh, hotline. Uh, now it's time for your Minnesota moment. Of course, that's news from my hometown of St. Paul that you won't get from Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Uh, Hieronymus Bang, I understand you took this guerrilla theater bouillabaisse to the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Uh, how did it go over there? Uh, we took, in 2006, we toured the show to the... Um, uh, the Midwest and Minneapolis was one of our stops. Um, we found that the people of Minneapolis and the people of the Midwest were way more willing to get involved in our performance than the, um, uh, the those of us in the uh, coastal elite um, enclaves in, in New York and L.A. We found that the people in the Midwest were ready to go to bat for us. And that was fortunate because we did experience a little harassment occasionally from the authorities. And um, the lasting image for me out of Minneapolis in particular was we unfortunately had one of those nights where our performance was interrupted 
by local law authorities. And the um, people of Minneapolis, particularly about five or six young women who were attending college there, they, they followed us out to the van where we were being handcuffed and held, and they sat and linked arms around the van, this is true, uh, and refused to let, refused to move, refused to let us get driven away. Wow. And for that, we are, are uh, forever grateful. This has been your Minnesota moment. Uh, thank you so much for that. We don't think that's going to, that has not happened uh, with the authorities here in your Los Angeles performances to date. Is that right? No, we've stayed one, one step ahead of them, <laughs> fortunately, through our extensive security um, protocols that we're describing here. So, Alan Minsky, explain <clears throat> how we're listening. There's two ways our listeners can get tickets for this. $50 pledge to KPFK. For a pair. For a pair of tickets. Or it's a free add-on to our featured fund drive uh, gift this hour, Mitch's History Pack, which we'll be talking about in just a minute. Or you can just call the show number 209-375-0411. Uh, will they find out what the name is if they call that number? Yes, they'll find out there's several a way, times. There's a way to find out what the name that is that we're not allowed to give. So 818-985-5735. As you can see from Ellen Minsky, we are really excited to be able to feature this guerrilla theater pop-up whose name we're not allowed to say uh, on the air. Uh, one, one other thing that you can do if, if you call our hotline is we are... Um, we're an organization called the Imagination Liberation Front, and we are offering guerrilla theater workshops. Um, for those of you interested in using performance and theater as a tool for building community, for organizing, for civil disobedience, for activism, uh, we have lots of experience and theories uh, and and junk that we use <laughs> in our performances that we are willing to share uh, with people for the edification and activism and activation of your community. So do get in touch with us on that hotline 209-375-0411 and talk to us about your needs and we could potentially um, hand over the tools of rebellion. If you've just tuned in, we're speaking about the tools of rebellion with Hieronymus Bang. He's the playwright, the director, uh, of the Guerrilla Theater pop-up playing now in Los Angeles, whose name we're not allowed to announce on the air unless Alan Minsky will give us permission right now, Alan? Um, John, I will not even acknowledge your question. 818, <laughs> though I think that's an acknowledgement. How silly am I? 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. The name is, 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 is as subversive as the play is true, folks. It is a fantastic play, and please call and pick up tickets. You can also um, go on to Mr. Zuckerberg's Facebook and uh, find Hieronymus Bang, H-I-E-R-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S, just like it sounds, uh, B-A-N-G. <laughs> Uh, and um, that all the information is is compiled there as well as on Twitter at Bang Hieronymus, um, again spelled as it sounds, or you can email us at imaginationliberation at gmail. And if you can spell Hieronymus, I think you get a free pair of tickets, don't you? Yes, we'd be willing to give you <laughs> seats facing the play okay. if you're able to accomplish that. Uh, can I ask a question? In all your years, and you you are still a young man, um, have you ever met Mr. Bang, another Hieronymus? I mean, it's a great friggin' name. How can people not? Name their kids Hieronymus. No, only only in uh, the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Uh, yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? 818-985-5735.
Yeah, expect, expecting parents out there, you've got a tip. 818 yes. If you name your child after us, we will go up to three free tickets. <laughs> hey, I have another if, qu- if you name your child after the title of the play that we're refusing to say, then four free tickets. We're, we're, it's the, the, I'm, I'm speechless here. I understand you've been on, uh, in fact, I'm, aw- I saw you on, on F- Fox Local News in New York City. Uh, how did that happen? And uh, how, how did you get, how did you get the unnamed, uh, guerrilla theater pop-up on Fox News in New York City? Well, we, we happened to be in New York City, uh, on 9-11. And, um, in the aftermath, we, uh, started Forming this piece, this piece was a response to what happened in those days and months after um, George W. Bush made his speech about how if you're not with us, you're against us. And uh, we were looking around the artistic and cultural landscape and not seeing a whole lot of resistance and pushback against um, the demon- demonization of brown people and the, the the beating the drums for war and all these things. And we really did not like uh, where things were heading. So we made this piece. And we performed it in Dumbo in 2003. And um, Dumbo is the district the, down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass down. in in Brooklyn. Um, and uh, as a result of that, we ended up having a second run during the Republican National Convention, which took place in 2004 that year, which is where Tom Hayden was roving the streets telling people about our <laughs> play, apparently. And um, and. Uh, as part of the publicity machine, we managed to lure uh, the um, a, a cub reporter from Fox News out into Dumbo, uh, where we um, brought him to a room filled with garbage bags. Now, as I recall, uh, Hieronymus, you, 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 there were some costumes involved in this TV interview. We are theater people. <laughs> And so if you call us for an interview, um, <laughs> except for now when I'm being completely myself, uh, we, we tend to... He is wearing uh, a clown suit, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> it's called a balaclava. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we managed to lure this, this cub reporter into the garbage room where we were in disguise. We had our sleeping bag monster, who's sort of our icon, with um, a big sign with our hotline phone number on him. And so every time they pointed the camera at me, I kicked the question over to the sleeping bag monster. Um, and they really hated that and kept trying to come back to me. Um, and then we did our whole interview and they made a really amusing piece about it, which you can find on the Facebook or you can email us and we'll send it to you um, at imaginationliberation at gmail.com. And then uh, they finished the interview and the reporter... Um, on the on his way out, he had, he had thought he was being punked at first, but on his way out, he said, "So you see, we really do cover both sides." <laughs> <laughs> the sleeping bag we monster did not argue with him. The sleeping bag monster and the representing what side? I don't know. <laughs> Alan, did you see the sleeping bag monster in your uh, experience? I did. It's it's just a shame that Reagan eliminated the fairness doctrine because <laughs> it would be necessary to. Uh, it would rebut, be great to rebut. get more sleeping bags on the air. <laughs> yes, or rebut the sleeping bag. Guerrilla theater pop up playing for the next four weekends at different secret locations in Los Angeles. You will get the secret information about how to find the secret location and uh, join uh, join your friends uh, at that time. We guarantee you a thrilling night. A thrilling night. Just call 209-375-0411 and see where these tickets are going to be. Uh, so this hospital gig, is that going to... No, we're not at, We're not in a hospital. We are near a hospital. It's just sort of the landmark. It's a very um, desolate and um, creepy area, which, is, which will really enhance your experience. If I may, um, this is also an extremely hilarious play. It is funny. It is a hoot and a holler. It'll make you think. 
Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't pull any punches. And we at the Imagination Liberation Front fully endorse progressive takes on history, but we also encourage everyone to write the history of the future and take the future into our hands. Uh, this is not the time for despair. This is not the time to give up. This is the time to double down and clear your eyes and get out of bed and go out and do something, whether it's ridiculous or important. We'll settle for either. Thank you, Hieronymus Bang. Thank you, Alan Minsky. Thank you, uh, Gary Baca, our engineer. Thank you, Renee Reynolds, our producer. And stay tuned for This Is Happening, Jerry Quickly. Quickly.